Hello. So I've done my first episodes of sorts, uh, talking about one area of um, my life that's that's brought along uh, a lot of mental health issues for me, such so as depression and this I, I, this sense of uh, identity and sort of the um, the the anxieties of wanting to um, fit in and be accepted by people. Um, and sort of that, that journey that I have to sort of go through mentally to try and comfort myself and just to try and regulate myself in terms of um, all of those thoughts that uh, that were mentioned. But with this recording, I wanted to go uh, onto a new topic, and that was my... Um, my issues with uh, alcohol, which is something I did mention uh, in the in the first uh, of my uh, episodes before. Um, again, it, it is linked, but it's, it's become its own issue as well that I deal with on a daily basis. Um, and there will be areas of this speech that involves a lot of... Um, sort of the bereavement side of things. Um, so my 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 love-hate relationship with alcohol has um, been a part of that journey as well. So it, it, I can't not talk about it um, because, you know, it, it is fundamentally connected. Um, if I can, I will choose to... Um, talk about that in a different uh, recording, but if it comes to it, I'll, I'll just mention it now because I'll just be repeating myself. So um, let's begin. So first things first, I might as well just say it out loud. Uh, I am an alcoholic. I do have um, issues with alcohol. Now, whether this is... is a scientific fact or not, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I do believe there are different forms of alcoholism. Um, you do get, I have known um, as well, functioning alcoholics who, because um, I used to work with one many years ago, who, who drink and drink and drink and not feel the effect of it when just carrying on in their daily life and do things at work. Um, and it used to act as just that fuel for them. Um, and you never know the difference that they were completely off on one, you know, as, you know, mullered as anything. And then, you know, you get other people who just can't function with the amount of alcohol that's in their body because they still need that as, as their fuel. I'm not entirely sure where I fit into the spectrum on, on the, the addiction list. Um, but I suppose let's try and figure it out as, as we go along. So for me, my, my journey with alcohol started, um, as I mentioned before in my previous episodes, when I was a teenager, uh, that I, in, in the UK, probably, I'm not sure if it's still a big thing now, but it definitely was when I was growing up that every Friday night, Saturday night, you 
you might get together, you go down your local off license or, you know, the off and because it is a little easier to get booze from them instead of the big superstores and, you know, the uh, supermarkets. So you, you grab yourself cans and bottles of vodka or what was the other one, Lambrinis, White Lightning, whatever was cheap and would get you smashed the quickest. So, you, you, you know, you, you get your stuff and you go down the park. That Mine was... Um, It was it was near an old folks home actually, which sounds really bad now I guess. But um, at the time it was a convenient spot where you know you just wouldn't get into trouble. We'd never leave it in the state anyway, so it was just put up with us playing drunken football and it's on field for a few hours, you know, until it probably got too cold for us to deal with. And we all went home, but um, so me and my mates would go over there and we, we would drink. And unlike most of my friends who would be completely smashed on like, two cans of beer, me and another friend of mine, we were a, we found out over so long that we were more tolerant to beer than, than the others. You know, we would be on our fourth or fifth can and everyone would be smashed on their second, you know. And as I said before, it, whether this is a... a biological thing I don't know but I used to enjoy perhaps a bit too much that taste of alcohol because it was you know I used to use it as a numbing mechanism for all my thoughts you know I didn't want to feel all these thoughts before so I used to purposely drink a lot more as well just to try and you know forget about all these these unwelcome thoughts and you know unsure thoughts and confusing thoughts I had um growing up with other things um but I know to some degree this is a biological thing because I have a cousin who is an alcoholic, um, but his reasons for drinking, you know, I, I guess, are partly bio- biological from his father, which we we suspect um, stopped drinking quite early on because he might have known he had issues and that sort of gene has come down to his son. Um but there's no, there's been no immediate threat of alcoholism in the family. I mean, it's my mum's sister's husband's side of it, maybe. But you know, my granddad's coming from Scotland from the war. I used to like to have a drink, but there's been no talk as such of them having, you know, that weakness to it. So I'm not sure where it's come to me. Maybe this is a, a mental addiction um, or perhaps there is some sort of biological thing that's just come down the genes and I've, I'm the weak one who, who's who's um, been affected by it, maybe. But um, it is, I do have a weakness for it um, and I'll, I'm going to come to why um, I believe that. So... As the years went on, you know, as a teenager, you, you just you're doing this week in, week out. You, you're pissed as a fart. Um, you know, Saturday mornings, you wake up, you're feeling absolute, absolutely like death. But then, being looking quite older, generally, than some of my other mates, me and my, me and my mate who used to 
enjoy our booze. We used to look, you know, generally a lot older. And there was a pub near me at the time, um, which was, it was a rough pub, but it was a very laxed pub at the time as well. So they didn't really care if, you know, for underage drinking as much. So long as you, you know, you kept out of everyone's way, you didn't cause trouble, they used to almost turn a blind eye to it. And so I was, we we were 16, I think, you know, two years under the age limit to drink legally. But we used to be able to pass off as someone who was over the age. So we used to go down there on our Saturday nights, sometimes, you know, when we got older, or during the winter months when, you know, you'd, freeze your bollocks off Friday night and you know you don't want to do it again Saturday so you go to some go down somewhere that's, that's warm so we used to go down there on our Saturday nights and you know beer out of a tap is, is generally a bit stronger I think kind of than it is out of a can so you know it didn't take us as long to get pissed but then the alcohol was still in our system so it was it was a lot easier but that, that was it. That was our, um, that was how it was for a long time. And then as we become older, we reached the, the legal age. We'd go further afield. Um, and we'd go more, you know, sort of more broad and we'd just, um, drink ourselves into oblivion. And, you know, I was doing this for several reasons by this point. You know, a lot of it was, a lot of the, the, the coping mechanism was a bit unknown to me at the time. But, Looking back on it in hindsight, yes, it was for that, but it was also for the enjoyment, and it was also for not just the enjoyment of of the taste of alcohol, but just um, that enjoyment of being with your mates and you know having a good time. Um, you know, you, you, your taste buds change, and you get to more stronger things like spirits and shots, and you know, you, you just you just go off on one, and. <laughs> I used to have this this best friend. I'm not going to mention him by name. So I'm drinking a cup of tea at a minute just to try and um, regulate myself because I can feel myself getting ag- ag- aggy by this you know, at a minute. My hands are starting to shake. Um, so I'm not going to mention him, my, this friend by name, but I'm, I'll mention him as, um, as B. So me and B... Knew each other from our mid secondary schools, and we always hit off straight away. There was no, we had so many common grounds. It was it was quite unbelievable, and I influenced him in a lot. You know, I changed his way of thinking on things, probably good and bad, but mostly for the good. I think, especially with music and his attitude towards things, and I was this. this we we ended up being like. Um, brothers to, to each other, you know, there's, there's so much we knew about each other for the most part. Um, and we knew each other's faults and we knew how each other would just react to things. And we, we, we effectively become, you know, un, um, inseparable. And as we were growing up, you know, we used to enjoy alcohol together with everyone else. And, we used to do our crazy shit together, and it, it, we did. We was bond, we were really, really close. Almost, I probably at the time I was probably closer to him than I was my own actual brother. 
Um, so, and it, you know, it becomes so close that we, we, you know, we were accepted almost as family members to each other's families. You know, it, it was, it was quite surreal. And our friendship carried on, um, throughout our college years. So that's, that's uh, years after secondary school. So we're, uh, you know, we've, by this time we've just reached the, the legal age of, um, of drinking. Um, and of course, you know, our, our areas expand and, you know, our, our limits increase. So, you know, it's, um, it was, it, it was a time when you know, I, I really just couldn't fault much, even though mentally I was still quite depressed and isolated and confused. Um, it was, it was a really odd time for me. You know, I just sort of go with the flow and, you know, you know, just try and manage myself just as I went along each day, which again, I think had its toll on me in, in, in the long run. But it came to, um, it came to a time when my friend B was, he knew this, he knew this, this other fella, um, from, from his primary school. We, we re, sort of, he rekindled with him during our college years. Um, and he was a heavy, heavy drug user. And my friend, you know, liked to, I'd join every now and then, I'd join him for a couple, but it never went more than that. You know, we'll have a couple of roll ups and fags together. I've never found out addiction to that. You know, I, even now I can, I can have a cigarette, I can have cigars and I just, you, I just see them as just that, you know, they're, they're just nothing. They're just like a, a social item. You know, there's no addiction for me in that sense. Um, but for him, that must have been that he's, 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 he's his addiction because he needed, eventually kind of needed that something stronger to, you know, to get him by. And he, he fell into this, this group of this other, this other fella. And, you know, very slowly, slowly, he would drift away from like the group. Um, and even the family started to become wary of this because the attitude started changing. And, but he would never notice this because you, you never do, you know, and I can relate to that coming up in, uh, as I'm going to speak later on. Um, and it came to New Year's Eve one night, 2008, I think it might have been. Um, and we, you know, he completely did one over on his family and, you know, he, he sort of did one over on me and we had this really, really big falling out. And it's the first real time that I've fallen out with someone, you know, growing up. Because I've always been this person, you know, always trying to make friends with people and, you know, always trying to be the good guy and, you know, the the, the one that people will say, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a decent fella. You know, I like him. Let's, you know, and I'll always try and keep him together. Like it's this bonding, you know, it's glued to everyone. And... It was the first time in my life that suddenly something so big and dramatic happened that, you know, it, it, I didn't quite know how to deal with it. And for a good couple of weeks, it could have been longer, I, I can't quite remember now, but, 
you know, it, it just felt odd. Well, we, we weren't talking to each other. We weren't texting each other. We just weren't hanging out. And it, it, I felt quite bizarre. It was quite a lonely time. You know, I, it was just, I can't quite describe it unless you, you sort of understand how that feels and we, if you go through that process. And we bump into each other every now and then. And it'd just be that sort of fleeting, oh, hi, how you doing, blah, 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 bye, see you later. And it was almost like everything we'd gone through just didn't exist. And it was a shame, you know, and it still made you feel quite shitty. And then there was just, we had, I, we, we had this other friend who, I'm not going to mention names, um, but we'd become quite close as well. And it, it was like the three of us. It was me, B, and this other, this other kid. And um, he, he was having this, this uh, family holiday away for um, his father's marriage. And as B had sort of done him over as well at the time, um, it was, he had asked me to go on holiday with him to, you know, for his, his father's wedding. And I, w- I was honoured, you know, it was, um, you know, again, I, I was just glued to everyone, you know, I, I needed that, that acceptance from everyone to say that, you know, I'm your friend. You know, I'd never buy people's friendship, you know, beer and everything. And you always be like a decent person to, you know, gain their friendship, you know, the right way. And, you know, I was honoured, you know, I, I, I was, it made me feel good that I was this person that everyone would, would you know, come to, to, um, you know, for that friendship. But as things were going at the time, financially, I just couldn't afford it. Um, and I knew it wasn't just the, um, the, the, the plane tickets out there. It was everything else as well. You know, the, the sort of chipping in for the hotel and the, the, the alcohol I knew was going to be, you know, about as well. And ultimately I just had to say to him that I, I couldn't make it. So some weeks down the line, him and B started talking again um and they it probably wasn't as much of a um an earthquake between them two as it was for me and uh, mb but um they sort of settled their differences and he invited b to go out instead that was great i didn't mind that um but still we weren't talking until the night before the um they were due to fly out that we we all went out for a night in this this big area um near me where you get loads of nightclubs loads of pubs and it's just that sort of communal place where everyone just goes to get smashed and have a fight you know come the end of the evening um and we started talking and we I was like, we were slightly drunk by this point you know we've been somewhere else beforehand so the alcohol was softening us up a little bit. And we we settled our differences. <clears throat> and we, in this, in this club we went to, I managed to buy, buy him a pint. Oh, I can feel myself getting emotional now. Um, <clears throat> I bought him a pint. Um, and that was the last thing that I did I was able to. I wasn't able to say goodbye to him because uh, he, he sort of. I'm not. I still can't sure. I think they got kicked out 
because he had his little bag on him that he needed to take away. But, um, yeah, I bought him a pint. That was the last thing I ever did for him. Um, so, as, as I said, I never got to say goodbye to him. And that was that was it. And then the next, a couple of days later, I find out that um, there had been a tragic accident overseas on his holiday. And, you know, and uh, B was in intensive care and he literally just fighting for his life. And... Um, he ended up losing his life about two weeks later. And that was it. I, I was... I, I was numb. Is, is, that's the, probably the best way to describe it. You know, you, um, you, you... You you can't quite accept what's happened because you haven't been there to experience it. But you know rationally that this has happened and you deal with it as you do... But then, you know, you feel numb because you're not quite sure what to do because you never experienced anything like this. And I was numb. I was inside. I, I guess I was mortified, you know. And, um, you know, I, I I feel this is where my real, real, real sort of addiction started coming in. Because not only was I using it before to numb myself from negative thoughts. You know, I was all I wanted thoughts from, you know, as I said before in the in the episode, I'm not gonna go into it because, you know, I'm not gonna repeat myself. But I I needed it to sort of regulate myself to understand and, you know, to manage myself, you know, because inside at a bias point I think you know, I, I was numb, but there was this like, whirlwind of emotions and turmoil going inside me because, you know, I just felt my life was breaking apart. And it was, um, you know, I, I did I did crack eventually. Um, and it took me a long time after that to really get to grips with it. I think solely because of everything we'd gone through as friends, to then suddenly breaking that friendship, which was hard enough, to then reconnecting very, very briefly and then losing it all again. It was There was no sort of middle ground to this. It was, everything was so, so sudden all the time. And I just don't think my brain was able to really, really, really comprehend that and they will manage that. You know, sort of like, you know, you, you get someone who, you know, a family member, uh, old age, sort of dies and that's it. You get one sudden end. Whereas this was almost, you know, like leapfrogging continuously, you know, for some time. And I think that did me over mentally as well. And by the time of his funeral... Um, it was well into sort of the, the the summer holidays, and come the September, I was off to university, and it was it was um, it was in the in the Midlands, so in the middle of England, um, away from where I would, well, away from where I was living, and as much as I needed that sort of comfort of home, I needed that time away to get myself away from 
all the, all the heartache and you know the grief that I was feeling here. But I took that grief with me, and I used a lot of that time as a first year student with everyone else enjoying yourself as you do, meeting new friends. You know, you, you um, do the same things again. You know, you, you get to meet people you know, as a decent person, and then you just spend half a year pissed as a fart because that's what you do. And I, I took I took my grief with me. I didn't tell anyone because it was a brand new start for me to some degrees and you enjoy yourself but you know you get carried away in the in the, in the flow of things as well but I, I was using the alcohol as a as a as a coping mechanism not only faults but my grief now as well and we used to go out drinking all the time you know we'd Tuesday nights, we would go down for our, our local pub and it would be a, a pound a night, you know, a pound a pint night. And we would, we would get there about five o'clock and we would stagger out of this place at half eleven, you know, and we was absolutely mullered. And then you go up, you get up and do the, you know, you go to the university the next day and do your work and then come Thursday night, you go to a different pub, same, same deal was going on, a pound a pint. And... On the Thursday, there was this, this uh, vodka bar that was on the way home as well. So we'd stop off there for a few hours after we got kicked out. And it'd be mid-morning, you know, like three o'clock in the morning, in the wee hours, where we finally get home. And I was absolutely mullered. I was, you know, I've never been so drunk and experienced hangovers as much as I did during this, this year. And on Friday nights, Saturday nights, you know, you go out with your mates down other clubs. And it was just like a complete year of boozing it up and it was a level that I was not experiencing at home and when I came home that Christmas you know I went down my local with some of my friends and I was on a level well past them you know they were drinking two pints to my five you know and in between that I'd, I'd be having a couple of shots as well you know and you know they were astonished by the amount that I was able to, 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 to drink. But it was it was a normal for me. And even, you know, my parents were a bit wary of this because, you know, I, it got to that point where I was needing booze at everything. Dinner time, I needed a beer or, you know, but, you know, if I had to keep it cool, I'd have a glass of wine. But then that glass of wine... I couldn't just deal with that glass of wine. I'd have to have another glass of wine because I was still needing that that same amount that I was managing at uni. And if I go out for a Christmas meal, you know, you have a beer every dinner, but that beer just wasn't enough. I couldn't use. I couldn't just drink it on a social level. I needed a copious amount of it just to almost function because I just felt so lost without it because I was so used to dealing with it by that point. And you know, I was drinking it, and by the time I, I stopped, I was my hands and I was, my hands would start shaking, and my legs would start shaking because I just wasn't getting that intake of booze that I was so familiar with. You know, I, I was, you know, it was um, <laughs> it's almost like it was a withdrawal feeling, and went back to uni, and I, it was almost. I was almost relieved to go back because it, uh, it just meant I could go back to drinking so heavily that I was, you know, by that point I was so used to. 
And again, I didn't want to admit the fact that alcohol was, it was taking over my life because I didn't want to admit it. You know, it wasn't one of those thoughts that really came into my head at the time. It was just something I needed to do and something I needed, you know, just to, to, in myself. Um, but as things would have it, I had um, a bit of a family issue come about, um, which meant I had to come home and be a bit more um, to hand, just in case. Because my, you know, my dad and my brother were off working, and you know, just to help my mum out, who was the uh, the one who, who needed the help. Um, I needed, you know, just it was just helpful to have someone else around. And so I came home and I had to make some changes and my alcohol intake changed a bit. You know, I wasn't able to go out as much because by this point I was in my second and going into my third years of university. You know, it was a big deal for me, a big time for me. And, you know, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was still going through that grieving process, but I was distracted from that as well. But I still needed that booze to manage myself, to regulate myself, just to, as, as that fuel to keep me going. And yeah, I mean, I would still ha- have a beer at you know, dinner time. Um, sometimes I would have a few beers during the afternoons to like stimulate me. Cause you, as you do, you know, it does, it does sort of perk you up a bit when you have, have, have a few beers and I would have, I would carry on drinking after tea into the night, you know, I've gone through several bottles of wine sometimes when I've been working, just just to keep that level of alcohol in my system. And you know, I, I did this regularly. Um, you know, it, it, by this time, you know, I did meet um, people, you know, girls, and I was hanging out with them, and I was attracted to them, and it felt again that was a new element that was helping my mental state but also open that door to another collapse um you know obviously when you know you become heartbroken you do feel the effects you know you do feel shitty afterwards for quite a while and this happened to me twice after I graduated and you know, it's some like now I, I deal with it a lot differently, but at the time, you know, you feel like the world just ended. You know, you, you, you kind of lose that will to live because, you know, you're so, you're so familiar with someone that suddenly when they're not around anymore and you can't be the same person around them, that you, you feel lost in yourself. And it's those moments of rejection and, 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 sort of the heartache that really drove me to want to drink just to try and numb that pain. And, you know, there were times on on the end of my second um, girl I was with at the time, um, that that just ended abruptly and I I still haven't quite figured out what happened there. But, and... We only saw, we've only seen each other once since. It's not, it wasn't really appropriate to bring it up. So it just never, you know, formulated. And we, I still haven't found out. But um, she, I fell for her very, very hard. You know, she was, 
literally everything in a girl that I was, I was, I was needing at the time. And, you know, I, I, I just kind of went off the rails a little bit. You know, I went on this drinking spree for God knows how many days. And I, I had this mint, I had this blackout. I, it was a bank holiday weekend sometime. And I, I can't remember if I went out to the beginning of the weekend or on the bank holiday Monday onwards. It, it, it's just all blur for me because I was drinking really heavily at the time anyway. And it, I'm not particularly proud of this, but you know, the amount I, I was drinking at the time because I was worrying a lot of people. You know, I have friends and friend, you know, parents of friends, you know, come up to me during like events that we would go to and they were really concerned about the amount I was drinking because I just wouldn't stop. And I was doing this day in, day out and it was, they were really, really concerned with me. But I would, you know, pahoo them and, you know, brush them off and say, no, it's fine, you know, I'm dealing with it, which I was and I wasn't. You know, it's probably more wasn't than it was was dealing with it. Um, but I just didn't want to accept it because I didn't know I didn't know any different at the time, you know. Alcohol was such a thing in my life that I was terrified of the the, the, the prospect of not having it in my life at all. And yeah, it was emotional. You know, I got emotional for the fact that I drunk a lot but also emotional that I didn't know how to be me again without alcohol. Um, and it was oftentimes I would just be there crying to myself in the corner sometimes, you know, again, yes, with a bottle of whatever in my hand, because I was this inner torment to myself about what I should be doing. And this this time of uh, this bank holiday, I'd gone out on a drinking spree. I was feeling it as, you know, as you do. And I don't recall a few days, three or four maybe. I literally have no memory of these days at all. Um, I don't know where I was, who I was out with, what I did. You know, I don't know how much money I spent, you know, because it was just, it was absolute madness. And I woke up on my bedroom floor and I knew I was a state. You know, I, I was, you know, I, I didn't know what, who I was, what day and week it was, you know, what year it was, you know, it was, it was, I can't describe that feeling of sheer unknowing, you know, I didn't know who I was anymore mentally, you know, I was just, just gone. And, um, It was then that I realised that, um, you know, I, I, I had an issue and I had to deal with it because it was just becoming a state. You know, the ends of my fingers was starting to go really horrible because of the amount of booze in my system. You know, I was constantly drunk. You know, I was really disturbing my parents at this point as well. Um, you know, my, my drinking would be not going out and just being smashed and you know, finding your way home, I would be blackout drunk a lot of the time. You know, I'd go out, remember, uh, I don't know, an hour, hour or two if I'm lucky into the night. 
And then that was it. The next day I'd wake up at home, have no memory of what happened or how I got home, you know. And, um, you know, there have been times, one time in particular, I remember coming home from this this place that everyone goes to. Um, no memory of the actual night. Um, but I remember walking down, down the street near me and I remember staggering and falling into the road. And I fell into the road at this blind bend. Um, and so if a car had come round the corner, they would, there would be no chance of this, this car stopping in time to avoid me. It would have hit me. And I have literally no understanding of how long I was there for. I remember I mean, when I fell into the road, I remember it being dark sometime in the, in, the, in the wee hours, and the next memory I have is it's light out and I'm staggering through my front door. So what happened in the interim, I have no idea. I, 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 I literally am none, none the wiser. And it, that would be a common occurrence all the time. And, you know, it won't be, you know, deal with it during the day, you know, the next day go out and do it. It would be staggering in that morning have a few hours kip and then go out and do it again. You know, and it was um yeah, as I said, I was I was a complete a complete state for all of it. And you know, I needed help and I thought I'd tackle I needed to tackle one thing at a time. And I went for a lot of counselling for my bereavement issues and you know that you know you, you have to reach into your inner feelings and, you know, you really talk about things that you, you've never really considered bringing up on, you know, you never wanted to bring up. Because, you know, as a man, you feel that you should deal with these things, you know, you don't have to talk about your issues. And it makes you feel weak inside. And you just don't feel like you, you're deserving of being a man because, you know, you, you're admitting all this weakness. And... Coming from quite a proud family, I come from a big Scottish heritage as well, so that sort of mentality has always come through the family. And so you're under that pressure of, you know, showing to the world that you are this man, you know how to deal with things, you know, you're, you're you know, you're um, sort of robust and you're not going to cripple under the slightest bit of pressure. And that in itself is, is pressure, you know, just horrible in itself, you know, that just added pressure. And, you know, it, was, um, it got me thinking that, yeah, it, ultimately it helped. You know, I still had to deal with it afterwards, but just admitting to myself, you know, all this grievance and bereavement issues, you know, it, it brought a lot of calm to me. But then it did lead, as I said before in the in my um, previous recordings, that, you know, it, it, it opened up my mind to different opportunities and I started being more open and honest about certain things to people. And yeah, it, it went it went well until a bit of negativity happened. I say a little bit, it was quite fundamental, but, you know, until there's negativity, then I turned to alcohol and I turned to alcohol a crap lot. I mean, it was... Again, I needed it just, you know, I isolated myself from people 
you know, and I just needed it to comfort myself because alcohol would be there for me. You know, people would, you know, shit you over and then, you know, I didn't give two, two cares about what happened, but alcohol was just that, that friend who would be there and wouldn't question you, wouldn't, you know, um, ridicule you and, you know, it would just be, it'd just be there. And, you know, it was almost like, you know, you wake up in the mornings. I've tried to explain this to many people who, who don't suffer with this problem. And <clears throat> I, I still don't know how to describe it properly. Um, they're probably far better sort of, um, I think analogies is the right word here, but if you're a smoker and you wake up in the morning, you need that fag just to get you going in the morning. It's like it's like the thing you need, like a coffee, just to give you that energy and that sort of burst to get you going for the day. Well, as I said, I've smoked. They don't do anything for me. I've just they just there's not that addiction barrier there. You know, it's just it's a, it's just like it's a sheer wall. It just doesn't bother me. But with booze, I wake up in the mornings and I could very easily, just like in needing that fag, go downstairs or wherever and crack open a can or that bottle of vodka, which I have done in, in the past as well. And, you know, it's just like drinking tea in the morning or having that cigarette or drunk coffee. It's that norm in my head that's always there. It says, oh, okay, you know, the green light's on. Go, go, go and drink, you know, it, it's fine, you know, and, um, you know, I have to physically force myself not to, you know, I have to tell myself, no, you know, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to go down and get a cup of tea and I'm going to carry on my life as I normally do now, but again, that green light is always there, you know, throughout the day, you know, if I see my parents, you know, they... You know, I might pop out, you know, I'll be there for lunch and I might crack open a cider or a beer and I can smell it. And I've, I've, I've now been sober for coming up six years. And even now, it's trying to deal with that, that want is so hard. And they, they, they can't understand it because they just haven't had that, that feeling. I can smell the alcohol and again it's that forcefulness of saying no that's theirs I'm not going to drink it because I'm a better person now and I've I wouldn't say I've got my life in, in order but my life is a bit more unfragmented than it was before but it, it gets you jittery you know and it's like um, you know people you go down to pub or you go to barbecues and house parties and whatnot. And people say to you, oh, can't you just have the one beer? You know, that's it. And you think, no. You know, that one beer is the worst decision I would make because I can't stop myself after that first beer because it's such a soothing taste. You know, and that, that feeling of it, it, it lowering your defences is so pleasing that that one beer opens the floodgates to... A night of just sheer madness, and it, it, I'm not even sure if I would cope now if I did drink. You know, I, I'm I'm literally terrified to my wit's end that I, I, I if I drink any form of alcohol now, 
that I, I, I just, I have no idea where I would stop because I've, I've kept myself back from drinking it for nearly six years now. And every day it's that struggle to not want, not, not to drink it and just to relieve myself of that, that pressure and have that beer. Again, I'm not sure what would happen. You know, dare I say it, but you always have to think it with these things, but I don't know whether it would do me harm, whether it would actually probably kill me. I don't know. I don't know if I'd stop. Because, you know, it's... um, I said it's become such a big thing for me. I mean, there, there have been times when I've dreamt, and it's almost been like a like a nightmare, where, you know, you, you, you get like body paralysis moments where you can't move your body, and, you, you know, you're just so vulnerable. And I remember having these dreams or nightmares as such where you, you, I know I'm down a pub and I, I can nine times out of ten I, I know which pub I'm, I'm at because it's one of my drinking holes at the time years back and I'll be I'll be there with this pint in my hand and it's so real these dreams and I know from times when I was doing psychology back in my college days that when you sleep you can't experience certain um, senses like your taste and um, smell and uh, and touch you know your body your brain just can't function to to deal with like textures and smells and whatnot but it's so real for me that I'll bring the pint glass up to my up to my mouth to drink and I can smell that alcohol you know it's so that so distinct smell and I, I can even now thinking back to them that I can smell each time I've had one of these I know which beer it's been. I can still smell it, and it, it really does get me edgy. You know, even now my hands, just thinking that my hands are just shaped a bit more than they have been. But, um, you know, you can you can smell it. You can, you put your mouth up to the glass, and you take that first sip, and you can almost smell, uh, you almost taste that, that uniqueness of the alcohol. And then you, you, it's different. You can smell that that smell. You can taste that taste that you get at the very end of the pint glass. You know, it's, a, it's two distinct tastes. You know, the beginning and the end. And there've been times when you know I put the glass down and I take out another one and I drink that and I put that down and I pick up another one. And it's so real for me because that's exactly what I used to do. You know, there've been times when I've gone down the pub just by myself and I would just be mullered by myself in the corner because I just needed that that intake of booze you know that this was daily it came to you know if it wasn't daily it was every other day but I didn't care you know friends they were important to me yes but booze was still there for me and every, you know I'd be down there just by myself down the pub just drinking away to myself, watching the world go by, because it, it just become the norm. You know, it, I didn't, I couldn't see a world without booze in it. And you know, you wake up in the mornings from these dreams, and well, I wake up in the mornings from these dreams, and I've been, I've been like a cold sweat. You know, I've, I've panicked so much during these times. I've, you know, my bed sheets would be soaking wet. Just through sweat, 
you know, and I'll be shaking. I'll have to, I'll have to literally, it's been so real for me. That, you know, you, you get those, when you, when you've been asleep, and I've really deep, heavy sleep, you, you've slept with your mouth open, you, you get that clammy feel in your mouth, almost sort of like a metallic feel where like you, you, your throat, you know, your mouth has got dry. And you're trying to revitalize your mouth. And sometimes when you, you know, you've been out drinking, you wake up in the morning, you've got that sort of clammy feel to your mouth. And I guarantee you that I wake up and I can, I can taste the alcohol on me. You know, I know exactly what I've been drinking in that beer because I can still almost taste it on my mouth. But then I know it's not real because I have to regulate myself and re- reassure myself that, you know, I haven't been out. I've done this. I did this the night before. I did that the night before. I need, I need that physical evidence or that reassurance to literally calm me to say, you know, I haven't been out and I haven't done this because the dream has been so real that I, I literally is so convincing that I've been out and I can almost almost taste it on me for like the rest of the day because it's so vivid in my mind. Almost like it was just a night out. And, you know, it, 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 it literally terrifies me. You know, even going down the pub sometimes with my friends, you know, I have to be mentally in that right place because, you know, I have to convince myself I'm not going to drink, you know, I'm going to just see my friends, I can go out and have a, you know, a glass of lemonade or a soft drink. And if I'm not in that frame of mind, if I'm too jittery, I have to just decline because I know I'd, I'll probably lose the battle. No matter my friends doing their best probably to, to deter me, but I'm just not comfortable with myself to say no, you know, and I have to just stay at home. But, you know, it's, um, you know, going down the pub, you know, you, you, you're surrounded by booze, you can see it, you can smell it. You can just, you know, sometimes you've got to kind of handle the beer to pass it to someone or to do something. And it, it's those little moments you think, oh, I'm so close to just, it's almost like the, the, like the nectar, you know, you, you just, you're so close to just taking it. And you think, oh, I've just, just a little bit of weakness and that, that's in my mouth. And then suddenly that's it. And you, you think, sometimes it just gets too much and I have to just leave the, the night early because nerves in me have just, just shot. You know, and I have to just leave. And it, it does, you know, people get a bit like, oh, he's leaving again, blah, blah, blah. But I just don't understand that, that need. You know, you can have a fag whenever you want, you know, down there. You know, people who are trying to quit smoking can probably rate that to some degree. But I've come to realise now that, you know, that as much as I have this weakness for beer whether it's a physical issue or whether it's been brought on meant by you know, mental aspects apart from wanting that that drink every day because of sort of the negative reasons and issues in my life but whenever something bad happens I automatically refer to beer as my answer you know heartbreak or you know uh, something you know um i've got a friend who's who's quite ill um at the moment at, at the time of this recording and you know she sent um this this message out a little while back and it was 
you know, telling off or telling everyone of uh, the conditions she's in. And I, I knew this anyway. You know, I've I've been in regular contact with her, and and you know, it's not it was it's nothing new for me. But just hearing it in 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 that form of a text message to everyone set me off. And that night, I literally just wanted to drink myself into oblivion because it's that bit of bad news. And suddenly, that's it. My mind clicks. Alcohol's the answer. And there have been times, you know, I've I've weakened and I've gone to the cabinet and I've taken a bottle of, normally it's a spirit, it's probably a vodka or a gin or something, and I've been so close to just opening that bottle and just, just drowning myself. And I've cried to it, you know, I've been, I've been, I've curled up to it, almost in like that fetus position, on the floor, crying my eyes out, because all I want to do is just, just be rid of of myself from existence because I just can't take things anymore. It could take hours of this before I sort of come to and, you know, I see some sense of rationality, you know, and it's just, I'm, it's, it's all that that terrifies me with alcohol and just drinking because I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be now. You know, I, you know, I could just, pass out from me as sex as drinking and I don't know choke on you know, myself you know it's just you know there's a, that, for me it's that comfort of just drinking alone and just dealing with my thoughts and that's where this inner fear comes from that I can't control myself anymore with, especially with the alcohol and even now you know it's just, uh, just talking about it and I, I mean I've got I've got tears in my eyes and then my hands are shaking because I just know that that is is fundamentally one of the scariest things that you know I faced almost on a daily basis, and it just it pisses me off so much that you know you just proper boils the piss out of you that people who say oh just have one drink you know you'd be fine they just they physically can't stand it yet they're smokers most of the time themselves so they've got that addiction of cigarettes but they just don't see the harmful effects of it in the same way that I do, but probably because of, of all the shit I've dealt through with it. And, you know, I'm on that, always on that, that journey of understanding myself and just trying to keep myself calm because, you know, I know every time there's a bit of bad news, that switch goes off in my head. It says, alcohol, go on, treat yourself. You know, and it's just, that, that switch is, essentially always on anyway because you know I wake up in the morning and I just want booze you know and I have to I have to pace a lot because it's my way of regulating myself to, to do you know to say no because I feel like I've, I've spent so long on my life sitting down just drinking that even now I can't sit down for too long you know I'm, I'm too I'm too fidgety I'm too agitated by just sitting down for too long so I'll, I'll be working I'll sit down I have to get up and do something and then I end up finding I'm pacing a lot. And, you know, even now, this entire recording, I've been paced up and down the same room. And I've probably left a trail in the floor. But, you know, it's, a, it's one of those ongoing journeys. And it's just, I'm not sure if there's going to be an, an end to it. But it's, um, you know, it's, it, again, it, I don't even know if there's, you know... I know now that what causes it, but is there a cure to this? No. 
and it's just I just rely on that support of friends who, who do understand and who say to me, you know, who try to look out for me in the sense that, you know, if they see me slipping or, you know, just to say to me, you know, Mark, you don't need that beer or alcohol. Let, let's go do something else to distract you. You know, that's the sort of people I need to help me out and just know who I am as a person. And hopefully other people, you know, if there's someone else who has alcohol issues or any sort of form of addiction, just be there for them. Show them you have that comfort because that's all they ask for sometimes, you know, just that just that needed friend. You know, it, it means more to them than what you think it does. And at that, I'm going to leave because um, I need to unwind myself now with several cups of tea. I'm going to drink excessively to, to try and distract myself. Um. Oh yeah, just on another note, was just remind myself. Whenever I'm down a pub with people, I used to drink really quickly. So now, when I'm down there and I'm drinking my soft drink, I would drink my soft drinks really, really, really quickly because I'm almost compensating for my soft drink for alcohol. So I drink it in the same way because I'm so agitated by what's happening around me that I would just down soft drinks like nothing. And so it does make you especially when you're drinking lemonade, it blokes you out, it makes you feel sick, but you can't stop yourself because you're dealing with that addiction of wanting to it to be alcohol. So um, that has its own issues. So if you're listening to this and we're down the pub or something and you see me just going through soft drink like nothing, that's the reason, you know, pressure's getting to me. But um, I'm now going to do that with tea. Um... So let's, uh, I'll leave it as that and I'll see you in the next recording.